Welcome back to Brailcast, the official podcast of the Brailists Foundation. And coming up this time... If you've worked on your Braille and you, you are effectively the same reading level as you know your average middle school student, you're doing good. Like, you're doing great. You, you can pretty much do what everyone else is doing at that point. Improving your reading speed and building Braille mastery with Kit Aronoff. It's a question we get asked all the time. How can I read Braille more quickly? To answer it, we were delighted to be joined on Tuesday the 19th of October by Kit Aronoff of Temple University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania and founder of Mainline Accessibility Consulting. Kit has a background in elementary education and using principles of teaching literacy to emerging readers and articles from the National Federation of the Blind, she's developed a series of strategies which are sure to benefit even the most competent of Braillists. Our chairman, Dave Williams, led the discussion and he started by asking Kit to describe her Braille learning journey. So I'm visually impaired as well as part of hearing, which sort of prompted me to... Um, suddenly want to improve my braille skills a few years ago when I was diagnosed with progressive hearing loss. Um, And I was sort of faced with this reality that, you know, I can hear for now, but it's not going to be forever. And I really love to read and didn't want to lose access to that. Um, But I actually did learn braille initially back in high school um, when I initially started to lose my vision. So I did benefit from high school training, if you will, from that. Um, but of course, I went to college and kind of didn't keep up with it so much. Um, and so I sort of had to start not all over again as an adult, especially with the switch to UEB. But it, I, I needed to start over. <laughs> um, and kind of what I had to do, though, was because I was considered an advanced reader, which in Braille, for from at least in the United States, I don't know how it is for you all. Um, typically, just means that you know the Braille code and that you can read well enough to read a Braille label, which of course is not advanced. If you ask any other educator on the planet, that's that's pretty basic level. Um, so I really had to go at it on my own to kind of figure out how was I going to improve my Braille skills if I wasn't being given any sort of money to pay for a tutor. I didn't have access to any sort of training anymore as an adult. You know, it's kind of like, well, why do adults need Braille kind of attitude? Um, I kind of just had to figure it out. (laughs) Um, And that's what sort of um, forced me to really think about learning strategies and and how to really help myself learn Braille well and and kind of continue my education. So uh, is what you're saying, Kit, then, that, that actually one of the biggest challenges for you in learning Braille was actually low expectations? Yeah, I would think, yeah, definitely. Um, as an adult learner, especially, you know, they, I, I, again, I don't know how it is um, in the UK, but certainly in the United States, once you hit a certain point, you're considered advanced and no longer eligible for formal Braille training. Right. And and that level is basically when you can read a label. Yeah. Or, or, or maybe, um, you know, kids books or something at a very, you know, very simple um, kind of stuff. If you're lucky, you, you, you even get to learn the whole UEB code. But a lot of folks actually never really learn the whole code. So what did you do about that? Well, so uh, I started in elementary education and I, I left that and did something else but what i the classes that i took primarily focused on literacy skills and i've used those in a few areas of life but when i went to reapproach braille i i started with that because i had scoured the internet to kind of like see how do you improve your braille skills and there's just there's just not a lot there um so i actually went back and started to look at my course materials from my literacy courses. And I found that I I felt that I could apply that to my Braille reading because, I mean, it makes sense, you know, Braille is reading. Um, It it implores the same kind of skills that you need for print reading. It's just in a different syntax. So there's no reason it wouldn't have worked. (laughs) 
Um, and so that's sort of how I started to build the strategies that I've built. And as I've gotten more experience, um, I've gotten a lot more interested in cognitive learning theories and things like that. So I've, I've gotten to understand a little bit more about motivation, for example, um, and challenges that adults face in motivation. Um, just general myths about adult learning. A lot of adults think they can't learn new things for some reason, <laughs> um, or that kids have some kind of advantage when it comes to learning languages or, or learning how to read. Um, and I found that not to actually be true. It's, it's stuff we're told as kids and, and, and we just kind of regurgitate without really thinking. So I, I, I want to get into some of some of those strategies and, and techniques and, and how we how we challenge some of those myths in in some detail in, in a little while. Tell, tell us a little bit about your role at uh, Temple University in Philadelphia. Yeah, so I'm an assistive technology specialist slash coordinator. Um, so I help coordinate accommodations for students with disabilities. I do assistive technology consultations. I do specialize in Braille, um, Braille technologies in particular. I'm, I'm super interested in Braille learning and tactile graphics learning and those types of things. I'd really like to pursue a, a PhD um, investigating uh, tactile learning techniques. But so that's, that's kind of what I do here at the university. Right. And then you also have a, a company as well, a, um, a consultancy business. Is that right? Yeah, I did start doing uh, side consulting because I wanted to work more folks with folks one on one because there is this sort of people. What I've discovered is they acquire a disability themselves or a family member does, and then they just sort of get stuck like they don't know where to go. Um, information about like where to get started is really kind of hodgepodge. Um, here in the states sometimes like doctors won't tell you where to go and things like that so um i wanted to fill that gap as a okay you know here's what a social worker does you know here's where the state resources are and just kind of be that connection for folks to just get them started on their on their journey so in your in your kind of bio um that i have here it says that you are passionate about building braille mastery how, how would you define braille mastery um, so I think everyone defines it differently for themselves. <laughs> um, I really strongly believe in people. I, so one of my core beliefs is meeting people where they are. So everyone's going to say that they've mastered Braille and whatever level that they envision that for themselves. Um, because the truth is you never really master something, right? Like you're constantly learning and evolving and changing. Um, so I don't know how I can define it for myself. <laughs> we'll define it for you. What would what would mastery look like for Kit? Uh, for me, I would really like to be able to. Um, so my Braille goal is to be able to pursue a PhD ultimately, um, even with progressive hearing loss. So I want to be able to read complicated technical materials. I want to be able to read science journal articles. Um, and those types types of things. So for me, that's that's sort of um, my global like long term goal. Um, but just general, like a sense of confidence, you know, a sense of love of Braille, um, fostering, you know, a, a renewed love of just reading in general that I think sometimes as a beginner Braille reader, you lose because, you know, you're like, oh, it's time for my 20 minutes of Braille practice again, <laughs> you know. Um, and I really think once you find the joy, that's kind of where mastery starts. So during the first uh, COVID-19 lockdown in early 2020, the Braillist Foundation, we've found that often now um, people learning Braille are doing so effectively in isolation and not necessarily coming into contact with, uh, with other um, Braille readers. What, what do you think are some of the other areas um, where people hit problems? And, and more importantly, how do we overcome those? I mean, I think you guys are, um, your program addresses, I think, the absolute biggest problem, which is that isolation that you're talking about. Um, you know, in, in my Braille journey, um, it has been very lonely. You know, I, I've been very alone in this um, because I find that, you know, most adult folks who, who are blind that I know at least aren't so interested um, in learning Braille. So I didn't have the camaraderie there. And my friends who have been blind since birth, many of them already knew Braille. So I also didn't have that kind of camaraderie because I, I sort of lost my vision, you know, like in high school as a 15 year old. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of in the middle. And I, I think 
the social barrier is really challenging. Um, you know, are, are your friends willing to celebrate your successes? Um, are your, you know, is your spouse, you know, when you tell them, oh my gosh, I read this page like twice as fast as I did two months ago. Um, are they gonna, you know, be like, wow, that's awesome. Let's go have some cake. Um, or are they just gonna be like, oh, that's nice, honey. And then just, you know, move on. Um, and, you know, if you don't celebrate, if you don't have a community to experience those successes, you're just going to lose motivation, not, not because, you know, you don't have the willpower, but just it's lonely. There were so many things wrong with my own um, kind of introduction to uh, Braille. I, I remember at school being asked to stand up and read in front of the class. You know, my reading speed was really poor and I found the whole experience really quite humiliating. Um, the content that was available didn't appeal to me either. There was nothing that I actually wanted to read. So I wasn't motivated in, in that way. And I also remember uh, being asked to, you know, test Braille equipment that didn't really work very well. And so I found that experience quite, um, you know, frustrating. And it wasn't until I had a really strong reason to learn Braille or to use Braille, um, not just in, in a work context, but in a very personal family context. You know, people are probably sick of hearing me talk about reading the bedtime story with my sighted son it was something that I really was keen to do when I became a parent and it was a real um wake up for me you know it was a record my braille kind of renaissance when I suddenly realized how powerful braille was and actually you can do quite a lot you know even if you're not you know in the top you know 10 percent of uh you know braille readers in terms of speed or or whatever Absolutely. I mean, most reading material, again, in the United States, because that's where I do most of my, my work, is and it um, is at an eighth grade reading level. So for 13 year olds, that's that's the average reading level of adults in the United States. Um, so if you're reading something, you know, here we're reading The New York Times or something like that, it's, it, it tends to actually be written for that level. So sure, if you've worked on your Braille and you, you are effectively the same reading level as, you know, your average middle school student or, or whatever you, I don't know what it's called over there, but um, you've pretty much, you're doing good, like you're doing great. You, you can pretty much do what everyone else is doing at that point. So, Kit, we'd, we'd love you to share with us what you found and some of your most effective strategies that you think um, Braille readers would find helpful. Sure. I'm going to try, try and um, break it down. Um, I, I would say the, the first thing to understand is that um, reading, writing and studying are all sort of um, equal parts of learning Braille. I think when adults approach reading Braille, they're like, I'm going to learn how to read and that's what I'm going to do. And this is how it's going to be. Um, but writing is such a key component uh, to reading because it gives you an opportunity to not only kind of be a participant of absorbing the Braille, but creating it as well. So it allows you to think in Braille, allows you to create those sort of um, connections so, for example, I don't know if anybody's had this experience, um, but the word like sword, for example, I always read it as S word because that's what the contraction is, right? It's the letter S and the contraction for word. Um, and for the longest time, I remember the first time I came across this, I was like, what on earth is S word? Like, what is this crazy thing? Um, and it was through writing that words like that became more... Um, more fluid and more automatic because I, I was already thinking in Braille. I was engaging in it. Um, so that that's one tip that I recommend. Um, and I, a lot of times people will be like, oh, I'm going to start practicing writing my work emails in Braille. Don't do that. Really don't recommend. <laughs> that is going to stress you out. Um, you're, you're going to write slower in Braille. Um, I mean, I, I know I practice my Braille writing, but I mean, I type at something like 90 words per minute. <laughs> I type Braille at like, I don't know, 20 or something really low. Um, so you're just gonna stress yourself out. You wanna pick some an opportunity that's low key. Um, I highly recommend journaling. 
as a brailing writing exercise, um, or even just having a, a friend read a passage of something out loud and have you sort of transcribe it is another great way to practice um, your braille writing. Um, so writing is definitely something that I highly recommend. Um, along with studying, you know, you're, you're, there's going to be contractions that you simply can't learn unless you study. Um, I hit a point, I'd say like a year ago, where I figured out that I was getting tripped up, you know, by um, monetary values. Uh, numbers were really slow for me. Um, the bold symbol, the underline, the italics, those are kind of things that if I run across them, I sort of just go, okay, here's a symbol I don't know, and then I'll just kind of gloss over it. But because I don't know it, I stop because I'm like, what is this thing? And then I'm like, oh, it's something I don't know. And I'd move on. But being able to recognize it meant I could smoothly run through it. And I got more context. Um, and I could only do that by studying because, you know, it's, it's hard to like run into bold on purpose out there, you know, in the wild, if you will, when you're, you know, reading. Um, so definitely keeping in mind just, you know, those study skills. Um, so those are the two components. Um, and then, of course, reading itself, um, making sure you're using physical Braille for your Braille practice. I don't want to exclude digital Braille. Um, physical Braille can be tricky to get a hold of. Um, but there's real value in using physical Braille. Um, nothing will improve your Braille skills quite like you know reading an actual big old Braille book. Uh, so I, I often recommend you know for that time where you're specifically dedicating to, I'm going to practice Braille right now. Um, you know, have a, having a book, um, having a physical magazine, having something that you can put your hands on because it's going to give you tactile spatial awareness skills. Um, it gives you the opportunity to learn how to scan, um, look for paragraphs, find your place. Um, and if you're like me and you get lost really easily in text, I really like just knowing where I am in a book, whereas in digital braille, it's like you're somewhere in the sea. Will you hit the end of the book in 10 minutes? or in three hours. I don't know. <laughs> um, so for me, I, I like it for that global context. But um, I guess if I had to pick like three things to, uh, as study strategies, those would be my three big ones. Yeah, writing so important. And you said journaling, I guess we would describe that as, as keeping a diary. Yeah, keeping a diary is, a, is great. And, and a lot of people are like, oh, I have to write down my like deep, dark thoughts. Nah, you can just write down the weather. Actually, I learned a lot of Braille from just like writing out what how was happening in the news, um, especially during the pandemic when I was kind of freaking out. Um, for a while there, I was just like really just summarizing what was happening in the news that day. But I got to practice a lot of things like percentages and numbers and a lot of like really specific things that I wouldn't normally write. So um, definitely you don't have to, or temperatures, like if you're, if you're like, it's cold today, it's 45 degrees. How often do you really use a degree sign? So it's a good opportunity to practice kind of like those weird uh, symbols that you don't always think about. I know what you mean about the contractions. I think it was Robert Engelbretson told us, that, you know, he was, um, he was struggling with the A-N-D sign in pandemic. Yeah, because it's like, and mick what or there's um or other words um i, I get ance and ence confused a lot and how do you resolve that so so i bet you're not alone i i, I know a few people who struggle with ence and ance how would you tackle that yeah so for that kind of stuff um that sort of leads into what i learned in my literacy classes which is so children learn what are called sight words and if you're not familiar sight words are words that um a sighted child or a sighted person in general um, just learns to, you know, you see a word and you just know what it means. So things like the word the, for example, you know, a, a reader is not looking at that and saying T-H-E, the, they're just looking at the general outline and then their brain goes, oh, that's the word the, and then on we go. Um, and in Braille, you want to basically build up those same sorts of skills of recognizing words. Right. So you might write the word dance or something, for example. And so then you would always recognize that it's an ANCE. Exactly. And just practicing that. So again, back to that study and creating flashcards, um, you know, writing down spelling words, just like, you know, Googling words that end in ANCE or ENCE and just practice, you know, dance, 
you know, presence, words that kind of, that's going to force you to go back and forth between something that uh, maybe is challenging for you. And other words too, like we were talking about like strange things in the middle of words, um, T-H-E ends up in a lot of weird places, like theory. Theory really throws me off every time I see it because it's like the Ori. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> like, what even is that? Um, so it's another, it's another sight word kind of thing. You know, if you read it often enough, eventually you'll just be like theory, you know, um, instead of what's happening, which is the Ori. Let's take a couple of questions then, uh, Ben. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Thanks for that, Kit. Great, great tips so far. And uh, we've got quite a few hands raised already. We're going to come to the uh, phone number ending in 689. I've, uh, I've just unmuted you and you're, uh, you're good to go. Okay, I'm kind of curious. I guess I'm getting the impression um, by hearing you talk for the last couple minutes that uh, the reading you're talking about improving speed on is more um, hard copy Braille, uh, you know, than it is digital Braille. I'm quite a fast Braille reader as it is already, and I've gone almost exclusively uh, to digital Braille now. I've read Braille since I was six years old, and I probably um, read Braille out loud about as fast as anybody could read. Now, obviously, you know, when my husband's sight reads, if he's reading to himself and he's taking speed reading, he's going to beat me. There's no question about it. But I'm assuming um, the way I'm reading most of my Braille, you probably don't have um, a whole lot of uh, tips in uh, doing much with that or improving it. Would, would, would that be correct or am I not assuming correctly? Could we just say your name, uh, telephone number 689? Yes, my name is Shirley. Okay, Shirley, Kit will answer your question now. Yeah, um, so what I, so first of all, I mostly read digital Braille also. I, I mean, I think the reality of the situation is most people are going to read digital Braille most often. Um, what I find from digital Braille is that reading it has not made me into a better reader per se. Um, it, for the most part, or it doesn't make me faster. It does help you build sight words. Um, it certainly does that. And it also, um, you know, just any, honestly, you know, obviously digital braille and, and just any kind of reading is better than not reading, of course. So um, digital braille is amazing and it's been such a great opportunity um, to sort of have access to all these books, you know, that, um, you know, even from 15 years ago, I, I was struggling to find certain types of books that I can just, you know, <laughs> go on Bookshare or whatever and, and find in Braille uh, as a digital Braille file. Um, but what I what I found is to really improve on digital reading, um, physical Braille is really where you get the most bang for your for your time, if you will. Um, so while it's not something that I, I think is reasonable for most people to be like, I'm only going to read physical Braille. Um, all the time. That's not a reasonable expectation, I think, in today's world. But, you know, having a few days a week that you set aside for saying, okay, you know, um, I'm specifically just going to pick up a magazine, um, you know, from, I think I even have a subscription to something that's printed by um, RNIB. <laughs> so, you know, I, I know there's, you know, stuff out there. Um, I think I'm subscribed to PC World News. National Geographic and Poetry Magazine. Um, and it's just, you know, a fun thing, you know, keep it in the house, pick up when you feel like it, put it down. But you're right, digital Braille is, is really um, what you're going to see more of. And I'm not knocking it, I, please. I, I'm, I, the last, like, 10 books I've read have been on my Braille display. I'm really not a poster child for reading physical Braille. Um, but for learners, I think it's, it's really the way to go. But correct me if I'm wrong, Shirley. I think I think what what Shirley's asking is 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 there anything for digital braille readers that would would help us kick on? Yeah, sure. If all you have access to is digital braille, I mean, just reading. You know, any reading is going to is will help you improve. Um, so one of the things that I recommend is varying what you're reading. Um, all obviously, all of us as humans have natural interests, so you're going to read whatever interests you the most. But what happens is the stuff that interests you the most is going to have repetitive vocabulary. And you need to, in order to improve, you need to build on your um, 
your vocabulary and your those sight word types of things. So so branching out, reading different things that, that maybe you know aren't your cup of tea per se, and um, you know trying to just explore different types of genres can be really good. Um, that's I, th I guess that's my biggest tip is, is being able to just explore different genres to get that sort of wider uh, availability of vocabulary and sentence structure and author styles and, and those types of things. For, for me, it's reassigning the buttons. You know, if uh, I have to pan forward with the button at the right hand end of the line, I find that my my reading speed is much slower. And that tends to be the default on many devices. Uh, and actually, if I'm using the kind of scissor reading technique, then my left hand is already back at the start of the line, uh, ready to push the button. So I tend to reassign what the, the panning buttons do, you know, reverse the panning buttons so that my left hand can can press the button to uh, pan forward, which sounds counterintuitive when you say it, but actually for me, in terms of my, you know, reading fluency, it, it just makes much more sense. And I guess it would be different for somebody else, depending on which is your, you know, your dominant um, reading hand. And then of course there are uh, digital braille readers who who would, you know, prefer thumb keys and 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 so on. So so I suppose the ergonomics of of the device might make a difference. Have you any thought about line length? That's something that often is is debated about. What, you know, what is an optimal um, line length for a, for a digital braille display? Um, well, first of all, I think your solution, that's really clever and I've never thought of doing that before. I've remapped buttons, but it's never occurred to me to like remap the panning button and I'm gonna have to play around with that. Um, but as far as length, um, I mean, shorter braille displays, I, I think slow you down a little bit because you don't, obviously, the, the more mechanical things you have to do with your hand, just just because you know it's going to take you x amount of time to push that button and move your hand, kind of thing. Um, that's there's not a lot you can do about that. Um, so longer braille lines do help. Um, I I like 40 for me personally is is my ideal be, for reading because um, it gives you kind of a nice nice width and it's small enough that I can still kind of fit it into like a particularly large purse or a backpack or something. So, you know, I, I have my, my braille display that I bring from home with me just to, you know, read my book during the day. Thanks for that, Shirley. Uh, we're going to come to Elaine in a moment or two. Um, but you, you raise a really good point there that I just hadn't considered at all about trying to vary the stuff that you're reading. Like you, I'm sort of fairly into my, my tech content. And you, you're right, you know, you, there, there are just words that you won't encounter or, or contractions that you won't encounter um, when you read, you know, one specific genre. Absolutely. You know what I recommend the most? Poetry. Because poetry is very weird. Um, and by weird, what do we mean by that is, you know, you're not getting, um, you can't get into a rhythm with poetry the way you can with, I don't know if you have this experience, but when I start reading a book, I'm a little bit slower than when I end a book. Um, and a hundred percent it's because I'm, I've got, I've learned the author's style and I've just sort of accustomed myself to it. But poetry, it's short. Um, the lines vary in length. The words don't always flow together in the way you would expect. So you can't do quite as much predictive reading. Um, and as, as adults, you know, we're predictive reading all the time just because of our literary experience. Um, so I highly recommend poetry as, as a practice. Great tip there uh, once again. So uh, Elaine, you are, uh, you are unmuted now. And uh, after Elaine, we're going to come to Toby. Hi. Um, you may have actually um, answered this. Um, I also suffer from dyslexia, so I just wondered whether there was any tips or anything for people that are dyslexic as well, in, or is it just a matter of practice? It's definitely partially practice. Um, reading along with something is really beneficial. There's tons of software that highlights as it reads out loud. Um, so there's, I don't think there's anything like that in Braille per se, but one thing you can do is pair an audiobook with um, with a with either a physical book or digital braille um, and sort of get that opportunity to read along with something and you can slow it down to, to whatever speed you're comfortable with. I noticed that uh, James Bowden has his hand up. Uh, I suspect that will be a comment. Uh, James, you are uh, good to go. 
Hello. It actually is a question, actually, not a comment. Um, but there was a very interesting question. And Kit, this is possibly more important than mine. Um, someone asked, what's the best position for your hands when reading hard copy Braille? They find their wrist aches after a while. Um, so ergonomics wise, uh, of course, you want to try and keep your hands in a neutral position. So if you're reading Braille, it, whether you're reading hard copy Braille or whether you're using um, a, a Braille display, um, you may need support for your wrists. So like for myself, when I'm using my Braille display just on my computer, um, I actually have a wrist pad that you would normally use for just a regular keyboard. And I find that really gives me a lot of support for my wrists, but you really want to have that a very nice neutral position with your elbow at that 90 degree angle. Um, you want your wrists to not be extended back or forwards too far. You want it, them to be in that nice kind of comfortable um, kind of flat or maybe flat with just a little bit of an arch uh, forward. Um, I say arch, like very gentle arcing <laughs> forward. Um, and for, for physical braille also, you want to be in that sort of very nice position. I really like to read on my lap. Um, so I have a um, like a desk lap thing. I actually use it backwards because I find that the thing that's meant to keep the book on works better backwards, but that's just me. Um, but that a lap tray can be really helpful for that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really about getting your chair into the right position if you're reading on a table. Um, that's that's really really how to do it okay thank you so my question kit was do you ever use or do you find useful the auto scroll function that some braille displays stroke screen readers provide i've never used it um i know it exists and I've, i'm always like scared to use it because um i know i like to reread things a lot so I, I, I think it for myself, it might be an interesting exercise in, in speed reading, but I'm, I've never tried it. Um, it could be beneficial for improving speed because it's going to force you to get better if you continuously increase the, um, the auto scroll incrementally. So it's absolutely a strategy that you could, you could try. Um, I just haven't because I'm a little bit of a coward. <laughs> oh, oh well, well, we're uh, we're all we're all learning, aren't we? I know, I know, I've learned huge amounts already. Uh, we're going to go to Toby now. Toby, you're uh, already unmuted. Then after Toby, we're going to go to Elizabeth. Then Gregory. Hi there. I learnt Braille probably oh, twenty odd years ago, and I, I use it quite a lot. But I'm not a particularly fast uh, reader in some in some people's eyes. Um, I read a lot. I read, you know, sort of bits on through my iPhone or through for whatever kind of documents and stuff and things like that. And sometimes what I find, which is might just be me because of my reading and, and stuff and things. But are there any advice on how to sort of uh, not get sort of in a sort of mess thinking, oh, gosh, I got I. I can't read that so quickly because and, and I'd miss out at words because I'm, I'm feeling rushed in, in a way. And I, I suppose it's just maybe down to sort of uh, practice and practice and practice and more practice. But are there any tips on sort of how to keep your flow of reading constant and, and not get sort of sort of bogged down in stuff? Because I obviously do some reading out loud for my day job. So for what I so a, a guideline that I, I suggest for, for folks um, practicing Braille is um, I call it the 75-25 rule. Um, but what I mean by that is 75% of your reading should be either a fairly on on level read, meaning it doesn't feel like a slog, you're not frustrated, um, you're not, you know, overly annoyed at whatever it is that you're doing and that should be the majority of your reading and that's to really foster and facilitate um you you want it to be a positive experience you know as humans we don't want to do things that make us sad um or frustrated or miserable that's it's kind of an, the opposite of, of what you want you want to associate good things with reading um so to that end you don't, you don't want to overly frustrate yourself um and then other 25 percent 
I highly recommend being a sort of moderate challenge. And this can be tough as an adult. You know, emotionally, it's it's really difficult as an adult. Um, you know, there's many things about losing your vision that's really difficult. But one of them is, um, I think reading is such a fundamental skill that we all learn at such a young age that sort of losing that is an emotion is an extremely emotional experience. And relearning Braille can be an emotional experience, or learning Braille. Um, and, and feeling like you're reading, you, you want to jump into those books that you read as, you know, you read as an adult and that's sort of what you want so badly. Um, but it's super important to take the time to read things that are on your, on your level uh, as a reader, not as like an intellectual adult human. Um, but, you know, and engaging with that and being okay and, and trying to practice being okay with um, maybe reading books that are more geared towards, you know, kids, you know, um, if, if you're reading at the same level of, of you know, a typical eight-year-old, that's fine. You know, that's okay as long as you are able to read and enjoy. I don't know if that answers the question. Well, I was going to add to that on the iPhone specifically. Um, often I find that minimizing the distractions can also help with, with focusing. So turn off notifications, lock the screen orientation, and select a reading app that you know works well uh, with, with Braille and try to, to read in there if you can. I mean, I use Voice Dream Reader, but, you know, other people may have other recommendations. All right, so we've got a few more hands uh, still to go. So we're going to come to Gregory next, and then after Gregory, we're going to come to Ian. Uh, so Gregory, you're good to go. I just want to comment. I agree very much that peer-to-peer -peer learning is so important. I consider myself an older Braille learner. I'm updating to UEB. And having a buddy to learn with is so important. I joined... Uh, a weekly uh, Braille learning program in the States called Braille Together. And we are joining together, having breakout rooms uh, with our peers learning Braille. And it, it is so important. And I just want to tell you that that is so important. So thank you so much. Thank you for sharing that, Gregory, uh, and we'll definitely pass that on if we have people in the in the states who who are looking for something perhaps a little bit more local, because it sounds like Braille Together is is sort of pretty similar to to what we're trying to offer in in the UK. So that's uh, it's good to know that's also available. Yeah, thank you. Great sounding resource there. We're going to come to Ian next, and you're good to go, Ian. I was interested to hear the comment about reading along with an audio book, and. <clears throat> this is actually something that you can do if you buy a Kindle book and you also have the, audio, the audible version of it, the, the audible companion. And I've, I've tried this and, and, you know, it might put you off, but at the same time, it can be fun. Um, <clears throat> the other point is I would have thought that one of the things that would really help to increase your reading speed is by trying to read Braille with both hands, um, you know, with one hand going ahead and the other one catching up. Uh, I, I would even do this on a 14 character Braille display and still use two hands. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, there's been studies that have shown that the only way to really get, um, you know, the, if you look at the top like 10% of Braille readers, they all use two handed techniques when reading Braille, and they're also able to recognize Braille on multiple fingers, not just reading with their index fingers um, and those types of things. Absolutely, that's definitely an important part of, of learning how to read. So we're going to come to Rhonda next, and after Rhonda, we're going to come to S.J. Potter. Uh, Rhonda. Good afternoon. I just wanted to thank uh, the first uh, Braillist and also Katie for this um, timely conversation as I'm in this similar situation, I'm losing my vision and losing my hearing both uh, at the same time and also relearning Braille. And I just wanted to comment on the fact that I find having a combination of Braille and audio working together helps uh, because it also helps with attention. I find that if I just listen, I become easily distracted but using the Braille along with the audio allows me to maintain attention and comprehension. I just wanted to say thank you again. 
Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad this has been beneficial. I'm going to come to SJ Potter now and uh, after uh, SJ. I actually know what uh, SJ's full name is, but I, I feel like we, I probably shouldn't say it, seeing as, a, seeing as it's not on your display name. But after SJ, we're going to come to Terry Ann. Hi. Quite a few things I could say, but um, just, just a few very quick things. I teach Braille to young people, um, a lot of whom have come to Braille later in young life, if you know what I mean. Um, I do recommend that um, if uh, students uh, have practiced on their own, and sometimes they do, um, that they read uh, a simpler book um, so that they don't get stuck um, so easily if they're reading on their own and they, they're still encouraged to read. Um, another point I'd like to make is that although I totally agree that reading speed is a, is, a is a good thing to improve, and I'm not discrediting that, but I do think of more importance is understanding what you've read. Um, even in the sighted world, there are some very, very fast readers, but if you ask them what they just read, they wouldn't be able to tell you. And I think, um, you know, uh, so, it's, so it's important to understand rather than to be able to read fast if you have to make a choice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Braille speed is definitely not everything. Um, you know, understanding what you're reading is, is totally crucial. And I love what you're saying about, you know, easier reads. That's something that I tell people all the time, you know, don't frustrate yourself, you know, reading is fun those kinds of things. One of the reasons for adults that I, I they're they tend to be focused on reading speed um, and, and there are reasons, you know, for that. But another reason is if you're kind of out there on your own, you know, like I was, um, I, it's very difficult to see your own progress in learning when you're just sort of like in the weeds, if you will. And um, for, for me, re doing self-reading assessments um, which if you're not familiar with that is, um, what I've, I, I sort of modified it a little bit, um, but basically you set a one minute timer and you read until you can't anymore. You don't speed read, you just read at a comfortable, natural pace where you're understanding the text. Um, and then you um, count how many words you read in a minute. So what's nice about that is it helps to give you a sense of accomplishment because you, you're able to kind of like see numerically like oh my gosh look i've gotten you know i've increased this much in you know the last you know five months or, or whatever um when I, I feel like you don't typically get that as an adult i know for myself i only ever notice that i get better um once a year um, i'm jewish and at rosh hashanah time when i'm reading the uh the prayer book at rosh hashanah that's when i notice it the most um, because every year I get a little bit faster and I'm able to keep up with um, uh, with the services a little bit better every year. Um, but once a year is an awful long time to wait until, you know, you, you get that sort of satisfaction. But it's absolutely not everything. Absolutely not. And, and I think we all recognize that point, don't we, that, that actually you hear sighted people speed reading something, you know, and they can gabble away at, at hundreds of words a minute. And, and then you ask them a question about it and they go, I don't know. And, and you say, well, you just read it. And they've no idea. It's sort of it's like they've, they put it on on, you know, autopilot. Um, and so, yeah, understanding is 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 key. And is there any evidence about retention and, and how that that plays out? Because I find if I listen to something with the screen reader, I can I can understand it, I think, at, at 400 words a minute. But then um, if I read it in Braille, actually, I, I remember it, you know, it stays with me longer. So is there any any evidence other than sort of anecdotal um, that, that might bear that out? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we everyone has a different learning style. So for some folks um, who might be more of an auditory learning style, um, maybe audiobooks are great. <clears throat> you know, if you happen to be visually impaired or blind and you also have an audio processing disorder, you know, audiobooks aren't going to be as great for you. Um, I know for myself, I have ADHD and something that I struggle with, and I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, where if I don't have a global perspective of like where I am in space, in a book, um, I get very uh, disoriented. I actually find single line braille displays to be very disorienting and I absolutely cannot take tests like that. 
because I just I can't figure out where things are and I don't know how to go back and find what I'm looking for and I just, I just find the whole experience to be disorienting. Um, but for other folks, it might be totally different. So I, I really think that just comes down to learning styles. And we see that with sighted students too. Um, some students really love, find reading really helpful. You know, a student who's severely dyslexic, not gonna find books as helpful. <laughs> Audiobooks are gonna be more their jam. So it just depends. Yeah, definitely. So we're gonna try and really quickly squeeze uh, two more people in. And we're gonna come to Terry ann and then uh, last but by no means least uh, for this evening, we're gonna come to Kate. Uh, Terry ann you are good to go. Um, hello, everybody. Um, uh, when I tra transitioned from EBAE, uh, uh, English Braille American Edition, to UEB, one of the difficulties I've had is word recognition. And the word that comes to mind is the one you mentioned, S word. But if I were to see that in uh, EBAE, I would immediately recognize it as sword. But a lot of the criticism I'm hearing from Braille readers who've been reading Braille for a while is that I don't like UEB because there's so many symbols in there that I don't understand. And if I'm pleasure reading, I don't need these scientific symbols or these math symbols. And how would you respond to that? Well, one of the advantages of UEB and why they made the change is that um, I'm just going to call it Old English because I can never remember the, the letter combination. But um, the old Braille code um, was really hard to integrate into kind of a 21st century world. Um, it was really built for being able to, it, it was intended to be able to be read out loud and, and, and sort of follow phonetics. Um, whereas now, you know, we have computers creating Braille files for us and, and uh, you know, we've got Twitter and Instagram and all these things. And um, it was really bizarre uh, to navigate a digital space using the old code. Um, I felt like, I, I know like when I was like on Twitter and stuff, it just came across as so strange. Um, so I think that was the reason for the, the code shift was so primarily so that your your screen reader can more accurately translate the braille quickly um, and you don't have to rely quite as much on um, well of course a lot a real person transcribing braille is best not gonna argue that but you know when you're on the go and you're a professional and you're like i just need this thing to be in braille i'm gonna stick it in duxbury you know control t translate that sucker into braille and off i go um it's going to be much more accurate now because of ueb it's uh, it's the question that never that never quite goes away uh, so we're going to come to kate now kate you're unmuted and then we might see if we can squeeze in a question from the chat as well excellent thank you thank you so much um i i've really enjoyed listening tonight and i, I do feel a bit like an imposter because i'm i'm fully sighted i'm i'm listening on behalf of my daughter she's 11 she's a she's a brailist and has been since she was three um and this is the um the the question that we seek out most um in her in her 11 years is how do we get her to to be a bit quicker um she was always very left left index finger dominant um, and it t hasn't really changed pretty much. She will use two-handed technique now, but doesn't really read with her right fingers at all. Um, they just kind of follow along. I just wondered if you had any practical advice of getting her other fingers to work a bit harder without just telling her not to read with her left hand or, or even multiple fingers. Because she, if she does use a right hand, it's only a right index finger then as well. Yeah, the folks at Brillist might be able to speak to that more. And uh, we've got Mel uh, with a comment on that. Mel, you're good to go. There's a couple of things, and we might perhaps take this off the call and perhaps do it. And um, we we give Kate my email and perhaps do it. I can have a, a chat with this, but just quickly, just to reassure you in a way, because I've been reading Braille for years, and I'm sure I only use um, one finger on what both hands I think I don't really think I use loads of fingers and I read pretty reasonably quickly so uh, it's, it's amazing what you can do um, just with just a couple of fingers don't be too focused on trying to get to use loads and loads of fingers as long as you enjoy your reading and you read something that you want to read it's that motivation that gets your speed going I reckon. Ben uh, did you have any any final questions that we wanted to just sneak in? 
Really quick one from Rebecca in the chat. Uh, Rebecca, I hope you don't mind me paraphrasing your question slightly. Uh, Rebecca is uh, supporting a teenage student who is reading grade one and uh, she's wanting to uh, increase their uh, freq uh, the reading speed relating to sight words and uh, high frequency words. Apparently they're only getting uh, around about three words a minute at the moment. Just wondering if there are any strategies for trying to increase that speed. I think it's one of those things, um, you know, you know, making if, if that's the reading level, starting with um, early reading books um, or earlier picture books. Um, grade one Braille is challenging because it's I, I you guys might be able to speak more to this because um, at that point you're really at Braille kind of like an introduction phase. I feel like reading really, I know 100%, I know a few people out there who are like super good grade one braille readers. I am not one of those people. If you hand me something in grade one, I, I really can't read it. It takes me forever. Um, so for my answer would be, you know, as, you tr as, as a learner transitions into um, grade two UEB, um, that that speed will just sort of naturally come and those sight words will build up as you go. Thank you very much, everybody, for interesting questions as ever. And uh, special thanks to you, Kit, for uh, for joining us. We really appreciate it. And I understand that you have also prepared a, a little bit of a, a booklet to support the session, which we'll also be making available uh, along with the uh, recording on the website. Yes, definitely. And thank you so much for having me. I love talking about this. You know, I love talking about Braille. I'm a huge Braille enthusiast, so this was really fun for me. And I will be sending that booklet along as soon as um, somebody has read over it, so it's a little <laughs> nicer to read. Kit Aronoff bringing to a close this episode of Braillecast. The conversation was hosted by Braillists chairman Dave Williams and moderated by Ben Mustill-Rose. And you'll find links to a lot of the things that were talked about in this episode in the show notes. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Brailcast, the official podcast of the Brailists Foundation. You can find more Braille-related content by subscribing to Brailcast, all one word, in your podcast client of choice, or listening to Brailcast, connecting the dots for Brailists everywhere on your smart speaker. You can also find past episodes on our website at brailcast.com. If you have comments on the podcast or suggestions of topics or guests for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Please email help at braylists.org. You can also find the Braylists on Twitter at Braylists or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Foundation. Finally, if you like what you've heard, spread the word. New listeners are always welcome. So if you know other people who are interested in Braille, please tell them where to find us. In the meantime, on behalf of everyone at the Braillists, thanks for listening and bye for now. The costs of producing this episode were defrayed by a grant from the Activate Fund of the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust. For more information, visit wcmt.org.uk.